Well, with summer kicking off, we're, we're starting a brand new series starting today, and it's going to run through the entire summer. So here's what I need you to do first. Grab that worship guide that you got when you came in. Open it up. There's a place for notes. You have the communication card side uh, that Savannah talked about this morning. Then you have another side for notes. And I want you to write AHA, A-H-A, just like you see on the screen. Write AHA. And here's what I'm hoping happens, not just this morning, but through the rest of the summer, is I hope you get some aha moments. So what I want you to do, write down aha, and at some point, it's probably not going to be anything I say, but more importantly, what, what we see, what we read, what we dig into scripture, I've been, I've been praying that God will give you an aha moment this morning. That there would be a scripture that we read that just, man, you've never noticed it before. You've never understood it before. Maybe it's an aha of, oh, I know what I need to do now. Sometimes we know and we just haven't put it into action yet. Maybe the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you, nudge you, convict you, heaven forbid, in church. Something that gets us maybe moving. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm praying that you get an aha this moment. So write that word aha, and then whatever that aha moment might be for you, just write it down. And that'll be your aha for the day. But I also want that to be not just a Sunday thing, but throughout the week. So we're going to be walking through the book of Proverbs. And, the, and Proverbs, that book, is all about what? There's one word that describes Proverbs. Somebody tell me. Wisdom. Yes, it is all about wisdom. It's the book of godly wisdom. And there's 31 chapters, and usually we would do like, man, read one chapter a day, and you'll read through the entire book of Proverbs in a month. Well, it's summer, so I'm going to cut you a little bit of slack. We're going to go through the whole book of Proverbs in two months. So you have a little bit more room. You're welcome. So between June and July, I would love for every single one of us that calls Mountain Lake Dawson home to walk through the book of Proverbs this summer. And here's what I want you to do as you're doing that on your own, is anytime you come across a verse or something that is an aha for you outside of church, I want you to let me know about it. Don't just tell me about it here on Sunday. Tell me through the week. So I gave you an example. Here is one of my ahas, which I'm going to tell you a little bit more about in a moment. But if you are familiar with hashtags, then just take a picture of your Bible, write the word aha next to it, kind of like I've done up there in verse 6, and then take a picture of it and then hashtag aha. If you're unfamiliar with a hashtag and don't have any social media, totally okay, you can just email it to me, aha at mountainlake.church. Are you getting the ahas here? There's a lot of them. So make sure you're, you're interacting with us. Let us know what God's doing in your life, whether you are here on a Sunday or you're on vacation or you're out of town or you just decided to sleep in that Sunday, that's okay too. Let us know what God is showing you and doing in your life throughout the week. So make sure you show us or at least let us know through that. But I wanted to let you know of one of my ahas of I've been studying through scripture, getting ready for this summer. Uh, so if you have your Bible, head over to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24, we're going to see a small little story almost that's going to give us some wisdom. Now, somebody told me that the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom, godly wisdom, but I got to make sure you understand that's different than knowledge, that's even different than understanding. How many of you got a coffee this morning, whether, whether it was here at the cafe or you picked something up? Hold up a coffee. Somebody hold up some coffee. All right, you got some coffee? Knowledge would say, this coffee is hot. Can we agree on that fact? This coffee is hot. That's knowledge, that's a fact understanding takes it one step further and would say, I could burn myself with this coffee. See, now it takes the facts, it takes the knowledge, and it helps you interact with it. What does that exactly mean in my life? It, it answers the question, what's the rational thing with this? How do we reason with that fact? What does that fact really mean? So knowledge says the coffee's hot. Understanding says that coffee could burn me. Wisdom takes it multiple steps and multiple levels up and says, I won't drink from it yet because it would burn me. You see the differences there? Wisdom is the application. Wisdom is, is what helps us change our decisions. It helps us act and helps us think and helps us speak. 
in a wise way. Now, godly wisdom, and it's very clear in Scripture, godly wisdom is different than worldly wisdom. Godly wisdom looks at every situation, every event, every person, every relationship, everything through God's eyes. And so what we really get in the book of Proverbs, which is like almost right smack in the middle of your Bible, what we're really getting in here is a glimpse into God's heart and God's mind. Because wisdom is helping us act like him, think like him, feel like him, speak like him. And so through these Proverbs, we get a glimpse and we get some insights into the heart of God, the mind of God. But again, wisdom is us actually doing it. It's the application. It is not just the understanding and it's not just the knowledge of it. It helps us actually live. So that's what this book is about. If we just hear it and don't do anything with it, not knowledge. It's just been understanding or it's been knowledge. But our hope and prayer, and that's why I want you to do the ahas throughout the week, is that this is an ongoing thing of putting God's word into practice in our life. So here's, here's my aha um, regarding a, a pretty major theme throughout Proverbs. Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34 says this. It says, I went past the field of a, and I want you to say this word with me because it's a fun word to say, in the field of a sluggard. Yes, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed. I learned a lesson from what I saw. Here we go, facts, knowledge, and then it's gonna turn into wisdom. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. It's basically a, a proverb on, on what it means to, to work, to do, not just to hear, not just to sit, but to do. Now that word that I had you all say, say it again, what is it? sluggard. Let me make sure we're on the same page with that. We need to have knowledge and understanding before we apply it and make it wisdom. But sluggard could also be translated lazy or lazy bones. You'll see it 14 times throughout Proverbs, and it is referring to the person who, who can work but refuses to. So understand, this is not a, a person that is retired that is referring to as a sluggard. It's not somebody who got laid off. It's not somebody that is, is disabled at a certain point. It's not somebody that's a stay-at-home mom. It's not somebody that's going through a season. This is a lot bigger than just the job I have and the job I get paid for. Work is so much bigger than that. We're going to see that throughout the rest of Proverbs. It's more than that. But there are times for probably each and every one of us, we can relate to this, but what Proverbs is speaking to, the person Proverbs is speaking to, is the person that can work, should work, but is completely unwilling and refuses. And you even see the consequences there. It says that poverty will come on them like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So right from here, God through, and if you didn't know, King Solomon wrote most of Proverbs, so God is speaking through him. So Solomon's saying, man, we're made to work. Work is good. God gave us work. There's benefits to working. Now, does that mean we, we never rest? And I know it's summer. Are we never supposed to take off? Are we never, stop, are we never supposed to just stop and hit pause? No, of course not. I want you to see something here. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read these pretty quick. In Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, we just get in chapter 1 the creation account. And now God is beginning to, to wrap up that piece of it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, here's the end of it. It says, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he what? Rested from all the what? Work. He rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So right there in chapter two, this is still the perfect world. Sin had not entered the world yet. And God said, it's good to rest. 
I'm going to rest. I'm going to bless this day, and I'm going to make sure that every person takes it or makes it holy, sees it as holy, and actually rests on it. So that's verse 3. A little bit further down in verse 15, still chapter 2, says, The Lord God took the man, that's when he created Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to, look at this, to work it and take care of it. So God said it's good to work, it's good to rest. And then in verse 24, still in chapter 2, it says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That's obviously after he created Eve, and he said, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone, here's Eve. And then he instituted marriage, family. So understand this, this was an aha for me. Understand that before sin entered the world, this is still perfect. The Garden of Eden is still perfect. There was God's presence that walked with Adam and Eve, There was work. He gave the garden to Adam and says, work it, take care of it. He says, now also rest. I'm going to make the seventh day holy so everybody rests. And then he gave, gave them each other. He gave them relationships. He gave them family, gave them marriage. So in a perfect world, in a perfect world, there's a relationship with God. There's work, there's rest, and there's family before sin ever entered the world. Now, I would venture to guess that most of us, when we picture the perfect world, We picture most of those things probably, but probably not the work part of that. (laughs) Nobody says, man, my perfect, perfect world scenario is work. But of the four things that God instituted, his presence among people, work, rest, and, and family marriage, we would probably pull work out of that. But understand, in a perfect world, God gave work. So that's good. Make sure you rest. There's this healthy and godly balance there, this rhythm of we rest or we work, and then we rest. Notice that he rested from all the work. That order is very, very important. We work, but then we also make sure we rest. But understand, true rest only can happen after we truly work. Again, the order is important. We can only truly rest after we've done the work, after we've truly worked. If you have rest without work, that's leisure, that's laziness, that's sluggard. That's what Proverbs is talking about here. It's the rest without the work. But when we truly work and we apply ourselves and we do the work that God has has given us, the work around us, not just the pay job, mind you, when we do the work, then we can truly enjoy that moment, those moments of rest. If you've ever worked hard, hopefully you've worked hard at some point in your life, I have no doubt that you have, There's something that we would say. There's that phrase of a good, long, hard day's work, right? And usually that good, long, hard day's work is followed by something that gives us great rest. So yesterday, um, I did some hard work in the yard. Maybe not as hard as something. I have a very small yard, and that's for that was very intentional, mind you. The rest of you guys that have super big yards, your own fault. So for me, I said, I don't want a big yard. So I mowed the yard yesterday, and and it it was a good amount of work. And then after I finished mowing the yard, I said, you know what? One thing sounds really good right now. And for me, what do you think that one thing was? There you go. There's just something about working hard, and then you take a break, you rest, and oh man, it just, it tastes so good. It tastes better, in fact, than if you were to drink the lemonade without actually working very hard. Some of you might argue that point, but I'm just, I'm preaching, so I'm telling you that's the truth on it. Now, we have an incredible volunteer team here. Would you all agree with that? I mean, they work hard. They do a ton. They really do. You can clap for them, by the way. They do an incredible job. And if I remember right, Tim, are you running sound today? 
Oh, oh no, you're up there. Look, you've got multiple jobs. Tim, can you make your way down here for me? What are, what are you actually doing up there? Are you working? I'm not sure if he is or not. Well, that's all right. He were, Tim, come on, make your way down. I'll meet you halfway. So this is, this is Tim. And, and Tim, you were here at like 6.30 this morning. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty, close enough. We'll call it 6.30. No, you weren't really. No, so he was here early this morning, and he helped set everything up and got sound going. And are you running lights or something back there? Well, hey, I want to say thanks, Tim, man. Thank you so much for serving. There you go. There's, it's going to taste better now that you've worked this morning. He's thinking, all I get is a lemonade for getting here at 6.30. Well, sorry, Tim. That's all you get, man. But there is something about working hard and then being able to rest well. That's what Proverbs is saying. It's saying work well, but then also you get the opportunity to rest well. God gave us both. In a perfect world, we had God's presence with us. We had work, we had rest, and then we had family. Work well so that we can also rest well, that's how God set it up from the very beginning. Before sin entered the world, we had those four things, continuing to do that in our lives even today. Now, Proverbs speaks not just to the fact that we should work, that we are called to do work, that God said work is good, but it also speaks to the how we do work. What's that word? How we work is called a work what? Work ethic. It's how we work. It's not just that we should or that we do, but it's the how we go through it. So Proverbs chapter 6 speaks to the work ethic. Chapter 6, verses 6 and 9, 6 through 9, says, Go to the ant, you, once again, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? So now we get not just we should work, work is good, God gave us work, but we're also getting, wow, this is how we work. And I love that, that, the, that here Solomon uses a wise yet super small and what we might deem insignificant insect to get the point across. He uses an ant. Now, you all know ants are very strong, correct? We, we know this. Let me give you a little National Geographic on an ant. An ant, for its size, can carry, not just lift, but can carry about 50 times its own body weight. I mean, that's pretty significant. So when you see those little ants carrying those big leaves around, they can carry up to 50 times their body weight. It would be the same if you were to walk out here and, and you saw Bree working with the Gilmans and the rest of our kids' team and you saw a second grader walking out of one of the auditoriums. It would be like a second grader picking up and carrying a Prius out the door. That's what that would be like. The amount of strength it would take for an ant. If you translated that, if a second grader was as strong as an ant, they could carry and walk around with a Prius on their back. Now, what's interesting here is nowhere do we see Proverbs speak to the strength of the ant. Nowhere. What we might deem, I mean, that's what makes that ant a great worker is the amount of strength and all that it can carry. No, what the wise part of this, the wise piece is that, look, it has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores up its provisions. It does what it needs to do, basically. Right here, the ant is shown to be wise, not by its strength, not by even its ability. It's wise because it's consistent, consistent work. It's, it's looking ahead. It's not, just, it's not just, here's what I need today. It's, okay, I, I need to be consistent because of, wow, I'm going to need food later. It's, it's also saying that they're, they're self-starters. They don't need a boss lording over them to keep them on track. No, they're self-starters. They're self-disciplined. They have integrity. They work well regardless of who's watching them. That's the lesson we learn from Proverbs in regards to work, how we work. 
Are we self-starters? Are we self-disciplined? It's not the work that we do necessarily. It's how we do it, how well we do it. Do we have integrity when we work, regardless whether the boss is watching us or not? Do we work well? Do we work to the best that we possibly can? That's the wisdom we gain from the end. Not the strength, not the talent, not the ability, but the character, the integrity, the consistency. That's the wise part. That's what matters. That same theme of work ethic carries over into the New Testament. Paul writes this in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, say that phrase with me. Whatever you do. One more time to wake the person up next to you. Whatever you do. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Now just pause there for a second. Whatever you do. See, that's more than just what you get a paycheck from. Whatever you do, work at it with all your what? What was it? With all your heart. Because you're not really working for another person. No, you're working for God. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord rather than for man. And then he goes on. He says, since, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. Look at this last part. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's why we work the way we do. Mountain Lake Church, we should be the best workers in our field. Doesn't mean we're the smartest, doesn't mean we're the most efficient necessarily, doesn't mean we're the best at it, but we should be the best workers because of this right here from Proverbs and Colossians. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart because it's the Lord Christ you are actually working for. Again, that's bigger than just the job that you go to, you bring home a paycheck with. Work. See, all of our jobs are work. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But understand, not all work is a job. In other words, there's a lot that we still work for and work at and work in and work on. That's not our job necessarily. It's still work, though. I mean, you don't get paid to be married. It's still work. It's hard work to be married. And it takes constant work and constant effort to not just stay married, but to work on that marriage. We work at it and we work on it. We work together. Family is work. Parenting. If you're going to say amen, this is the part of the sermon where you say amen. Parenting is work. It's work. Finances are work. We don't just have them happen. We have to work with it. And it's stressful and it's frustrating and it's difficult. It's work. Healthy living is work. We have to work at it constantly. It's difficult. We have to work at it. Relationships in general are work. Our relationship with God is work. I mean, you could go on and on and on. Life is full of work and not, I'd say, most of that work we don't get paid for. It's still work. Even the things we enjoy doing, our hobbies, it's still work. You may enjoy doing it. You may get a lot out of it, but it's still work. You're still working at it. You're working with it. This is much more broad, Proverbs is saying, much more broad than just do good at your job. Do your job well. That is a piece of it. No, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord, not for man. Let me help you think of it in, in this way. This helps broaden our sense of work, biblically speaking. So what I'm going to do is there are four main categories of work. The first one is pay what we think of, of as our job. I get paid to do this work. That's one. The next one, enjoy. This would say, I love what I'm doing. 
Not necessarily with your job. These could be two very, very different things. But enjoy. I'm, I'm working at something. I'm working in something that I absolutely love to do. Your next one is value. This says, I have something that is of value to someone or something else, an organization perhaps, a community. There's a gift, there's a talent, there's an ability that you have that has value. And so your work is around, is based around the value that you have to give, the value that you have to offer. And the last one is help. Is what I'm doing, is the work that I'm doing more beneficial to someone else rather than me? Does that make sense? Now, there's a, technically, there's a fifth list, but I don't really count it. That's the, it has to get done work. <laughs> That's the, well, it's really none of these, but it's life, and I'm an adult, and so I still have to do it. That's one of those. That would be paying your taxes. None of that applies, does it? You still have to do it, and it most certainly is work. But here's what I want you to do. So I want you to help me think through this through the lens of my work, my work history. Uh, one of my first jobs that I had uh, was I was a dishwasher in high school. What a wonderful job. Not just a dishwasher. It was a, and you, I might have shared this before. I was a dishwasher at a nursing home. So you can imagine what that was like. So let's go through this. Let's see how this plays out. Dishwasher at a nursing home when I was 16 through 18. Did I get paid for it? Yes, I got paid for it. Check. Did I enjoy it? What do you think? No. I promise you, I did not enjoy it. Was it something, was it value? Did I have something of value? Did I have some great, special, unique gift, talent, or ability that made me just a super duper good dishwasher? No, I promise you, anybody could dishwash, right? So nothing there. Help, did I perform a service to someone or something else greater than myself? Now, this one's tricky. You might say yes to that, but I'm telling you, I only did it because I got this. So that's really a no, because I was doing it for this. If I did not get paid, I would not be a dishwasher at a nursing home. So you could see here that the work that I did as a dishwasher served one purpose for me. I got a paycheck. Now, if you fast forward quite a bit, you go to, now I'm a dad which we all agreed is work. Moms, it's work. Do I get paid for it? No. Should we get paid for it? Yes. I agree. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Do I enjoy it? Thank you. Thank you. I'm not afraid to admit it on stage. We'll scrub this in the video later. I'm going to do a small check mark. I'm not going to do the big one. So yes, I do enjoy it most of the time. I really do. I, re I love being a dad. Is, do I have some great, special, unique gift and ability that helps me be a dad? No. It's really just a matter of willingness. You choose, okay, I'm going to be a dad. Is it helpful? Is it benefiting someone else more than me? Yes, ab most, most certainly. Yes, they don't know it yet, but absolutely. Here's another one for you. Tennis. I love playing tennis. And it's definitely work. I get a lot of steps when I play tennis. Do I get paid for it? You don't think I'm that good? <laughs> Some people make a lot of money playing tennis. I am most certainly not one of them. No, I've never gotten paid to play tennis. Do I enjoy it? Oh man, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Do I have some great giftedness for it? No, or else I'd get paid for it. Is it helpful to anybody else? No, not at all. So you can start to see how different things line up. This Saturday, something my family and I are always part of is Meals by Grace, volunteer organization. We, we partner with them. Uh, basically what they do is there are 17 families in Dawson County uh, that we, along with several other volunteers, we pack food and then we get to personally deliver them to their home. Do I get paid for it? No. Is it something that we enjoy as a family? It's become a family thing. So we actually do enjoy it. Is it any, do I have anything of value to offer? 
No, I mean, anybody could do it. Is it helpful? Yeah, most definitely. So you could start going through and you could list all the things that you are currently involved in from a work standpoint and say, well, how am I doing? Because here's what happens. If you have areas missing, you'll start to tell me, I don't feel very fulfilled in my work. I'll sit down with somebody and they'll say, man, I'm just in a, a dead-end job and I just, I'm not amounting to anything, go on and on and on. And it's like, well, that's just one aspect of it. What kind of work are you doing where you enjoy? What kind of work are you doing that adds, that you're adding value? What kind of work do you do where you're, you're helping? So I found mine just as a pastor. That's what I love to do, but I mean, that's what God has gifted me in, shepherding. That's, that's my gift set. And so as I look through that, I'm like, you got to have all of these or else you will not be able to say, I feel fulfilled in my work. Not just working well, but we have to work with all this in mind or else you're going to get burned out quick. Another great example, especially this one here. Mark Varka, where are you? He is here. Good. Are you working? I got to make sure all my production guys are actually working today. So a little bit. Now, check this out. So, so this is a great example for Mark. Mark does not get paid for what he does here. He wishes I could get paid for this, but I can't pay him for it. So he doesn't. He volunteers just to do all this production stuff. But here's what Mark does Monday through Friday. He works downtown in an Atlanta office being a banker. And you would think, how does a banker and a production coordinator go together? They don't. What he has found is, well, I do some things that I get paid for, and I do other things that I'm helpful and I have a value in. And I think he enjoys it for the most part. It's a small, is it a small check for you too, Mark? Sometimes. <laughs> Depends on how I'm doing. And the rain is a big piece of that too, right? But that's what we have to do. So if you'll start looking at your life, God gave us work, not just a job. He gave us work. And so to be fulfilled, we've got to look through each of these. And understand these are seasons. Becky, my wife, she's a stay-at-home mom. And so, no, she's not, she's not bringing in an income. That's a season of her life. But she's doing so many other things. She's still working. And you look at your life, and are you being fulfilled by the work that you're doing? If your answer is no, then start going to, to each of these. Which area are you lacking? Lean into that. Work well so that you can rest well. That's what wisdom says. Work well, rest well, then get back to work. That's what we do. Not just job. Think bigger than just job. Work well, rest well, and then we continue to work. One last thing I want you to see, and I'm going to read through these next scriptures very, very quickly, but I want you to pay attention to what you would see as a common theme. Common theme. Proverbs has told us to Work, it's good, it's from God, we need to work. There's benefits from working. We're told what our work ethic is, how we work well, what it looks like to work well. Here I want you to see how God uses us in our work. In Exodus chapter three, verse one and two, you'll recognize some of these stories. I'm just gonna read through very quickly, just some snippets of it. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest, priest of Medium. He had led his flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Judges six eleven. the angel of the Lord came down and sat down under the oak tree. Look down here. It's where Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. For Samuel 16, Samuel comes to Jesse. He's looking for the next king of Israel. So he asked Jesse, are all these the sons that you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. First Kings 19, 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. He was plowing with 12, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair himself. Matthew 4, 18. 
Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Matthew 9, 9. Jesus was walking from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. I could go on and on and on. Old Testament and New Testament. What's the common theme? They were working. From Moses to Gideon, Elisha, all the way to the New Testament with the disciples. God honors the worker, not the workaholic. Work well, rest well. Remember, family's part of that initial institution that he gave to. Relationship with God, our relationship with our work, relationship and having rest, but then also with others. Marriage, our family. And so you got to understand that God is working as we work. When we refuse to work, when we just say, ah, I'll just do whatever I got to do to get by, we're missing out on what God would really call us to do, what God would desire us to do. And that's where God speaks to us. That's where God moves in and through us. When he calls us to do different work, guess what? He's calling us from that moment of work. If we continue to work, God will continue to speak. He will continue to move in our lives and through our work. Now, remember, God modeled this well working well, but then also resting well. So God's not done yet either. Even after he rested on the seventh day, he got back to work with us. Philippians 2.13 says it this way, for God is working in you. Let me say that again. I mean, let that really hit home. God is working in you. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. In other words, helping you become more like him. And that's work on his part. (laughs) Understand that God is working in us so that we can then do what he's calling us to do. God is working in each and every one of you. God's not done yet. I hope as a, as a believer, if you are a believer and you have Jesus in your heart, you understand that it's not just, I have salvation, but it's, okay, Jesus has saved me, but now the journey really begins. Now he's working in me so he can work through me and do something with me. And that's just the beginning. If you don't have Jesus in your life, Know that he is working to get you to that point. And it does take work to get to that point, but all it comes down to is the moment we say, okay, you, not me. Jesus, I need you in my life. I can't do this without you. And then Jesus moves into our life and he continues that work in us. He continues to work in each and every one of you for more life change, for the life change of ourselves and the life change of the people around us. Well, I had you write down in your worship guide, aha. I hope you've had maybe some kind of an aha here out of scripture. But I want you to add one more note to it, because this is going to take this morning from knowledge to understanding to wisdom. What do I need to work at? What do I need to work at? If you've just stayed awake and listened to all this content, you have more knowledge now. If you begin to like, okay, I see where you're going with this. I see what I need to do. That's understanding. But for you to then say, what do I need to work on? And I'm going to work on it this week. Now that's turning into wisdom because you're doing something with it. It becomes a do- We become doers of the word, not just hearers, not just listeners, but actual doers. So my hope and my prayer is that you would see aha moments throughout this summer as we walk through the book of Proverbs, but you would do something with it. So for today, for this week, maybe the next month, answer the question, what do you need to work on? And it may not just be this. Don't limit it to just what you get paid for. What do you need to work on in your life? What's God calling you to work at? Let's begin to do that. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for what we learn from you, from your word. God, help it to be more than just learning and more than just understanding. Help us to, to grow in wisdom. 
Help us to grow in godly wisdom to see everything in our life through your eyes and through your heart. Help us to grow in our work ethic. Help us to have the character you desire us to have as we work, not just in our job, but with our families and with our friends, with other relationships and our community in our personal lives as we work in so many different areas in so many different ways with so many different people, may we work well the way that you have called us to work. Be with us, continue to speak to us as we walk through Proverbs this summer. In Jesus' name, amen.